Geopolitics and Empire is joined once again by CJ Hopkins, who is an award-winning playwright, novelist, and political satirist. He writes at consentfactory.org, and his articles are republished at thought-provoking and censored outlets. He's also the author of Zone 23, um, science fiction uh, novel. And welcome in, CJ. I see you still haven't been sent to the gulab, gulag or camp. How are things in the new normal Germany? Uh, well, they're they're kind of interesting uh, right now. Um, well, what was it? A few days ago was uh, Freedom Day in Berlin. And uh, yesterday was, uh, I think, Freedom Day all over uh, Germany. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting right now, uh, you know, Freedom Day. What that means is that most of us, you know, don't have to wear you know silly masks when we go in to buy food anymore, and uh, and most of us uh, unvaccinated, uh, you know, Untermenschen are allowed to go into restaurants and cafes and things, uh, you know. So the the social segregation system has has been suspended. Um, that's, that's most of us, uh, in, in, they passed, they revised the Infectionsschutzgesetz, the Infection Protection Act again. Um, and that the, the Infection Protection Act is, is kind of the enabling act that allowed them to get away with all of the, uh, authoritarian restrictions that have been in place for the last couple of years. Um, they revised it again so that The restrictions all ended, you know, a few days ago or yesterday, depending on where you are, uh, except that the federal states can uh, declare themselves corona hotspots, right? Um, and they have to, they're supposed to be able to prove a certain set of facts, either their hospitals are overwhelmed or uh, there's some, you know, new wide outbreak of infections or something. And then the federal states can declare themselves hotspots and then continue all the restrictions, right? So no freedom day for them. Um, and a couple of federal states have done that already. Hamburg has done it. And now uh, Mecklenburg-Vorpommern has done it. Um, and our completely batshit crazy minister of health, who is, is just really insane, um, is urging all of the federal states to do this. And uh, it's just cra it, it's crazy. On top of that, This week, they are still, even now, given everything, they are still debating mandatory vaccinations of the population, right? Apparently, the, their plans to, to forcibly vaccinate everyone over 18 uh, are now off the table. They don't have enough support for it. Uh, so they're pushing ahead with a new plan to forcibly vaccinate everybody over 50, Right. And this will all be decided, I believe, on Thursday in the Bundestag, if you can if you can believe it. And that, that Freedom Day, was that just, you know, one day you guys could take off the masks and then the next day you have to put them back on or, or how? How's no, no, no. It's that's, you know, starting now. It was uh, in Berlin. It was Saturday. And, uh, you know, my wife and I went into a grocery store. For the first time, uh, you know, I went in, I've been, you know, we, we've had to wear masks to, to buy food, <laughs> right, you know, which is kind of important. Um, and I think maybe, you know, or, or, or I've mentioned it before, uh, when I had to wear a mask, I always had a protest message on my mask. Um, and in German, you know, it says, Befehl ist Befehl. 
which is just the famous uh, quote from the Nuremberg trials, you know, just following orders, basically. So I've been, I've been getting lots of hatred and, and glares uh, you know, for a year and a half, you know, wearing that mask in the store. Anyway, Saturday was the first day that we didn't have to wear the masks. And, and that was it. As of Saturday, you know, no more masks in the stores. Um, it's, it's also rather strange right now because there is an incredible uh, uh, popular uh, backlash against the relaxation of restrictions. Uh, the majority of Germans are freaking out um, and, uh, uh, you know, just starting all these movements, uh, the, you know, the mask bleibt auf, you know, the masks stay on. And, and uh, so there's quite a lot of tension uh, between the people who are, are just fanatically holding to their masks and those of us that are, that are walking around like normal people. The other thing that I didn't mention is even though, you know, Freedom Day happened and the restrictions have been uh, loosened for stores and the segregation system has been suspended, uh, we still have to wear masks on public transport um, and in hospitals and in uh, doctor's offices and I forget where else, I think maybe government buildings um, and a few other places. I, I forgot what... I lost track of what the deal is with schools at this point. Yeah. So, you know, Freedom Day in quotes. A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with the doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation, book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly members group call, and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. Yeah, and you know, I, I do the same thing. I generally avoid anywhere. Uh, uh, I have to wear a mask. I take my money to establishments that don't uh, force me to wear a mask. And it, the rare occasion that I have to, I do the same. I have these Telegram stickers with different messages and I put them on my mask. This one actually says... Uh, I, it's in Spanish because here I'm here in Mexico and it says the people, you know, the people in Germany uh, in the 1940s also uh, didn't understand that their governments and media were, you know, washing their brains. Uh, and so to get Mexicans to think about this, you know, Nazi eugenics fascism that they are all participating 
in and you know i also want to get your thoughts i wanted to take a step back uh, for a moment because what you're describing it seems and this is happening in, in many different countries even here uh, in mexico they're discussing different states modifying the constitution which uh, makes these uh, vaccine passports they're illegal but there are states discussing modifying the state constitution to make them uh legal and it seems like we are moving into a permanent uh biosecurity state uh which is as you say fascist it's a eugenicist um so i want to want to get your thoughts on that but also kind of this to take a step back we know we spoke we last spoke in july of 2020 in an interview i titled virus of mass destruction and brave new totalitarian normal um you know i think everything we talked about has come about in in spades sadly and we've had a few years for our theses and understanding of COVID-1984 to age and, and, and mature. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we have many new listeners which have joined us since 2020. I essentially view the past two years as the push by this global financial and ideological uh, elites to attempt to implement in earnest their bid for, for world government. Basically, they're trying to take over control of all, you know, 190 plus nation states and implement this uh, a crazy system. You know what would sort of be your recap of global cap uh, over the, over the the last the two years and counting? Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be impossible to uh, do it. Um, you know, intelligibly on your show. Um, I look at it. My perspective. Uh, let me just encourage you know any anybody who's watching the show. Uh, you know, go to the Consent Factory and uh, read the, the essays. I'm, I'm, I'm collecting them into volume three, uh, and the, the book should be published sometime this spring. But we're talking about so much time and, and so many events. Uh, it, it's hard to encapsulate it. I have a, I have a little bit of a different uh, uh, view, but it's, it's not quite that different. You know, I talk about uh, GloboCap. You know, Catherine Austin Fitz talks about Mr. Global. And, you know, we use these funny names. I use this, this funny name uh, because I can't really articulate the details of what I'm talking about. When I, when I talk about GloboCap, I'm not talking about seven or 17 guys, you know, sitting around uh, in Davos or on Klaus Schwab's yacht and, you know, hatching evil schemes to do all of this. Uh, what it what it goes back to for me is just my analysis of the last thirty something years of history that we've been through, uh, and it basically starts with the fall of the Soviet Union, at which point we became a single ideology world and we became a global capitalist world. Again, it's not thirty guys sitting in a room, you know, making up plans, but it is one system. And 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 it's complicated. Uh, you know, we're seeing it right now. There are still sovereign nation states inside of that system that are competing with each other for advantage, and so on. It's not a it's not a you know a, a Marvel comic <laughs> with a bad guy with a mask. It's a big complex system. Nonetheless, what we're watching is the evolution of really the first hegemonic, globally hegemonic, ideological power system in human history. And it's global capitalism. And if you if you look at that history over the last 30 years, what happened? The last ideological adversary of this system disappeared, dissolved, fell apart. 
right? So what is left to do? You're globo cap, you dominate the entire planet. What's left to do is clear and hold. This is a phrase that I've been using in my essays recently. And for people who don't know what that is, it's a military term. When you occupy a country, when you invade and occupy a country and you control that territory, what's left to do? You don't have an active enemy anymore, right? So what's left to do is clear and hold. You identify all of the sources of internal insurgency and resistance to your occupation. You identify them and you wipe them out. You destabilize them or you just wipe them out. And the goal is to implement your new program, whatever it is, in that occupied territory. Okay, extrapolate that to the entire world, <laughs> which is where we are. That's the that's the way I understand the last 30 years. If I look, if I go back and look at the last 30 years of history, it is it is Globocap, this big complex, non-transparent entity you know, conducting a clear and hold up all over the planet, going in and destabilizing, restructuring, privatizing all these little pockets of internal resistance that were left over from the Cold War. The whole COVID-19 event, to me, I understand it as an extension of this. And then I have to backtrack a little bit to the Trump years. And uh, you know what I call the war on populism during the Trump years. If 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 you understand the the Trump years as I do, as global capitalism's reaction to this populist uprising that started really all over the western part of the empire. You know, it started with Brexit, and then there were a lot of right wing uh, you know populist movements popping up in Europe, and then Trump got elected. And the, what I saw, what I tracked over those four years was just this intensely aggressive response from global capitalism to this populist uprising, crushing Trump, demonizing him, demonizing everybody that voted for him, didn't vote for Clinton, what have you. It rolls right into COVID-19. And the way I understood the COVID event from the very beginning, and, and this is what we talked about back at our first uh, interview, um, it, it it's a lot of things and it's complex. I don't mean to reduce it to this, but on the broadest level, I understand it as, as that global capitalist system, global cap basically telling people, shut up and toe the line. <laughs> vote for who we tell you to vote for. Stop with this populist rebellion nonsense. You know, we, we own this place. And you will do whatever we tell you to do, or we will lock you down in your home and we will make you carry papers to be able to go out to the store. We'll segregate you from society. We will teach you a lesson, basically. Yeah, that is, it's, I've described it as, as global capitalism sort of going totalitarian, not not sort of, it's if I say that, then it's complicated and I have to get into that because global capitalism can't go old school totalitarian. It won't work, right? So it has to go pathologized totalitarian instead of you know rolling out big flags with swastikas and jackboots and parading through the streets. Yeah, you know, it can't do that. So it has to hide inside of this pathologized narrative 
Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. We're not we're not beating you to the ground because, you know, you don't uh, show allegiance to our ideology. We're doing it for the public health. And I've rambled on and on and on. All of this is in the essays that I've written over the last two years. If people are interested, they can go in and, and really read the details of it. Yeah, and I would uh, agree with your assessment. And then, I mean, even the, in the last 20 or 30 years, there were books um, talking about this uh, coming. You've had books that describe this as friendly fascism, you know, fascism with like a smiley yellow face. Or I know uh, William Engdahl, who I've interviewed, who's, who's there in Germany, he wrote a book called Totalitarian uh, Democracy. So basically it's saying the same thing that you're saying. It's they can't reveal fully their face. And so they're just kind of pathologizing it, as you say. To, um, and that, that clear and hold... Uh, I would totally agree with that assessment, the, the clear and hold. And I've had it on a number of guests where we're trying to debate, you know, whether China and Xi Jinping and, and Putin are on board with the, you know, to what degree are they on board with the Fourth Industrial Revolution and, and, and WEF, uh, or are they fighting against it? And, you know, you've written on the Putin Nazis and some of the countries which are seeming not to play ball with global cap. Um, you know, it seems they attempted regime change. Uh, in Kazakhstan in, in January. Uh, at the time, I wasn't so sure if, if I thought it was like a, you know, color revolution. But given what's happening now, um, I, I'm starting to think Kazakhstan was an attempt, you know, by global cap uh, to change that regime. Because uh, right now we're witnessing the attempt to assassinate uh, Prime Minister of Pakistan, uh, Imran Khan, and launch a coup oh. to, get, to get rid of him. Uh, because he's playing, you know, he's getting closer to Eurasia with China and Putin and getting away from the uh, global cap, uh, you know, and in India, it seems people are getting visibly angry with global cap and hun uh, Hungary's Orban just won a fourth term, which he claimed victory over Soros. And so, you know, what are what are your broader thoughts on what's happening in Ukraine and uh, some of these places uh, that are pockets of resistance uh, against the global cap? I have to I have to plead ignorance. You know a lot more about some of these other places that you just mentioned, so I'm not going to speak to them because I don't know enough to say anything intelligent uh, about it. Uh, the point that I would make, again, is that it's not a Marvel comic book. I know I've seen a lot of uh, chatter on social media, on people arguing back and forth and, you know, saying, is it, you know, is Putin fighting, you know, the, you know, the globalists and, and so on. And it just, it sounds like a comic book to me. Uh, it's, it's, we're dealing with a, with a much more complicated uh, you know, constellation of power dynamics. Uh, you know, of course, Russia is integrated with global capitalism. Of course, China is inter integrated with global capitalism. Um, this does not mean that these sovereign, that these nation states are not, it doesn't mean they're not going to compete against each other for advantage. Just like corporations compete against each other for advantage, I I have a real simple analysis of what's happening in the Ukraine. Um, and again, I'm not a geopolitical expert. I'm, you know, I'm not a Russia expert or anything like that. But it just seems pretty clear to me. I, you know, you know, NATO and the West have been expanding, uh, you know, <laughs> and 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 surrounding, uh, pushing up against Russia's border. Uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, and maybe we could talk about what the U.S. even means. But the U.S. and the CIA and Western entities, you know, have been in the Ukraine for you know, many years, destabilizing 
colonizing that country, using it as 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 a as a pawn to try to destabilize and provoke uh, Russia. And it just seems to me that you know Russia finally just had enough of it. And said, "No, this is this is a country that's right up on our border, and we've got strategic interests down in the Crimea and the you know eastern part of the Ukraine, and you know that's enough. We're going to go in. We're going to act like an old-fashioned sovereign nation state, and we're going to go in and take care of of our of our national interests and and protect our borders and and our interests. You know, this is this is non-globocap behavior." Right. At the same time, other people point out, well, Putin was completely on board with, you know, the whole COVID-19 thing and, and so on and so forth. And again, it's not either or. It's a big, complicated you know, configuration of power dynamics. You know, it's and that's that's what I would that's what I would say about it to get in and really intelligently analyze any aspect of this. Uh, you know, would take much, much longer than we've got uh, on the show. Uh, the the thing that I would stress to people is it, it's not a Marvel comic book. You know, try to settle down, back off a little bit and look at all the the the, the dy- dynamics. Yeah. I've, I've had that similar approach. I mean, I respect all, all of my guests and, you know, I've, I've interviewed people like James Corbett uh, and, and uh, in the past, Whitney Webb, who have this view and Riley Wagaman. I mean, they just had recently uh, a round table uh, and I, I oscillate kind of between the, uh, the two. And I've spoken to Matthew Eret and Joaquin Flores and others who have this more of this view that uh, Putin is kicking against uh, the pricks. And so and you, as, you, as you say, I personally haven't come put my foot down, come to a conclusion, because as you, as you say, it's much more complicated power dynamics and we, we need to have some nuance and, uh, you know, time will tell us as, as things go on, uh, it'll become clearer. And I also wanted to switch gears a bit. Um, I'm starting to see a lot of crackdown on dissent and dissidents globally. Um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with uh, Willem Engel, the most prominent uh, Dutch uh, COVID-1984 activist. Um, I interviewed him last year and I was supposed to interview him this week. He had been arrested uh, for two weeks. He had been put into solitary for one week because he refused the PCR test and um uh, and I, my, my friend, uh, who's his friend, told me all he had to read was the Bible, and then he read the entire Bible, and that he was then using it in his defense. But so they let him off. They let him out over the weekend, and he's supposed to be facing a trial in three months for sedition. Um, and the, the there's evidence that you know he just said you know he saw the police beating as we've seen in all the countries as you you've seen in Germany the police beating protesters, and he was just saying you know we should we should file a complaint, which is a legal procedure. Uh, against these police, and they call that sedition. Um, but he was basically, you know, under um, uncovering corruption between Dutch politicians and and the World Economic Forum. Like he was finding these links and this sort of thing, and they just re-arrested him yesterday. So I don't think yeah, I'll be. Uh, yeah, I won't be zooming with him uh, this week from, I guess, his solitary confinement. But I also discovered, you know, whatever people may think of him. Uh, there's that conservative activist Tommy Robinson in the UK. Apparently, he he's here in Mexico now. I, I guess he was coming for vacation. I don't know. But I saw a clip of his saying that the British government has forced the Mexican government to detain him here uh, in Mexico. So he's currently detained uh, in Mexico. And I've we're starting to see other things, like even here in Mexico. Uh, recently, a, a Mexican YouTuber insulted a Mexican female politician, and the government. 
Mexican government open an investigation into this Mexican YouTuber for gender violence. So it's like I, I think we're we're starting to see this crazy global cap trend. Uh, you know, from from Germany to Netherlands to UK, even here in Mexico, where they're rounding people up now, dissidents, um, and inventing these charges and just putting them away. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? Canada also, you know, is 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 another example. Um, <clears throat> there was just an announcement here. Let me try to remember exactly what it was. Uh, it was. There had already been one of these announcements, but uh, there was just a new one. Oh, I, re I remember what it was. It was back in, I think it was the autumn of 2020, when they announced that the German, you know, Secret Service, the BND, was going to uh, put, uh, you know, COVID deniers under surveillance. Right. So, so any, you know, anyone who was is skeptical or challenging the official narrative, you know, suddenly we were dangerous people that that warranted surveillance by the German, you know, Secret Service. And the most recent thing was uh, now anyone who is uh, supporting uh, Putin or supporting, you know, Putin's invasion, uh, they're all uh, uh, now under surveillance also. Uh, by the German Secret Service, you know, and, and uh, it, it's it's just another example. I mean, everybody knows. Uh, uh, probably everybody watching your show knows. Uh, you know what happened in Canada? They literally froze people's bank accounts. They went after people's families, uh, shut them down. You know, arrested them and held them in jail. I think, you know, th there are countless examples of this. You you just listed a lot of them. Uh, it, it's it. This is all part of the i think the the broader message that we are getting from globocap from the powers that be and that message that message is you know all that all that you know appearance of democracy that we ran for all of those years you know that stuff is over yeah you know that's that's over we we need you to shut up and follow orders and and you know do what we tell you to do you know use the pronouns eat the bugs you know wear the fucking mask you know or we're going to get you we're going to punish you we you know we'll arrest you you know we'll we'll censor you and if that doesn't uh, work then we'll arrest you you know the the censorship is just completely uh, off the dial i i, I just had a, a a little exchange well, it was a one-way exchange uh, with the Twitter Corporation today. The Twitter Corporation uh, is uh, is now uh, flagging all, all of my tweets as uh, age-restricted adult content. Yeah, and again, it's another example. They can't because it's GloboCap. They can't just come out and censor me and say, you know, he's a heretic. You know, so we're censoring him. But they can slap these, you know age-restricted adult content warnings to keep people from reading my stuff. It's, and that's just a tiny example, uh, you know, that's not getting arrested or what have you, but it's, it's one of just countless examples of a crackdown on dissent. And, and it's different because we're in a global capitalist world, we're not in an old-fashioned totalitarian world, but it is no less totalitarian. Yeah, the me the message is shut up or we'll get you. 
Yeah, it's, I, I was going to bring that up that Twitter s says you're posting adult content. I mean, you've, you've taken an interesting turn in your work, uh, CJ. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just a, a Trump-loving, Putin-supporting, COVID-denying conspiracy theorist. Now I'm also a pornographer, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, also I was going to bring up, they so in Germany, they... I saw just like a few weeks ago, a month ago, they made a new law. There's that, I don't follow that, those politics closely, but there's this right-wing party, AFD, uh, or yeah. they call it right-wing, and that now the German government passed a law where they're going to put the AFD under surveillance, which, I mean, again, this is the totalitarian. And I remember in the Cold War, we had NATO with these stay-behind networks, um, you know, Operation Gladio, where all throughout the Cold War, NATO and the European countries carried out terrorism. They They went into... Uh, gross, groceries, they sent agents, um, NATO undercover, you know, soldiers into the groceries and shot up the grocery store and, and blamed it on the commun communist party, uh, or communists in, in that country or blew up a school bus of children. I mean, our own government's doing this during the Cold War. Uh, they assassinated the Italian prime minister, Aldo Moro. And then at that time, it was to go against, you know, the, the left wing parties. And now we see, you know, they're going against the AFD, the right wing parties, basically anyone and everyone, as you say, who's opposed to uh, this regime. Um, and so I feel like COVID-1984 isn't going away. As you were saying at the beginning, they're making these biosecurity, this biosecurity regime permanent uh, in many countries. Uh, you know, it's morphed into Ukraine, kind of like part two. And then, you know, it's going to morph into, I think, famine and shortages and rationing uh, as we're beginning to see permanent inflation, uh, supply chains breaking down and maybe, you know, like a cyber pandemic thrown in where uh, we'll get a, eventually get a digital ID. You know, what are your thoughts on where all of this is going? Because it just it just doesn't look like it's a stopping and it doesn't look good. Like, I think we're we're starting to really see wheels uh, come off and you know, where, where do you see things headed? Uh, well, let me say right up front, I have no idea. Okay, I don't, I don't know. So everyone should be clear about that. I'll, I'll give you the thoughts that are in my head. Well, I'll tell you one thing first. I'm, uh, I told you I'm uh, in the process of putting uh, uh, volume three of my Consent Factory essays together, the collection of the essays from 2020 and 2021, you know, the whole COVID event. And uh, I'm wrestling with the title. I was I was going to play off of the famous uh, William Shira book, you know, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, and I I was going to call it the the rise and fall of the Covidian cult, you know, playing uh, using the, uh, one of my essays that was pretty popular. And now I'm I'm wondering if I have to put a strike through, yeah, you know, the words and fall, because. On the one hand, on the one hand, here's what I see. On the one hand, the the cult, the narrative that that so many people believed in, fanatically believed in, has fallen apart, is falling apart, is coming apart. It's it can't sustain the level of hysterical belief that it did a year ago. Say, uh, too much too much information has come out. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, the whole Rachel Maddow had to, you know, come out and admit that, of course, the, the vaccines don't prevent tra transmission, you know, and so much information has come out. The, so on, one, on the one hand, the, it, the cult is dissolving, but the new normal isn't dissolving. 
Um, and in some places, the cult isn't even dissolving. I, we talked about what's going on in Germany right now. In Canada, it's the same, I believe. Uh, I don't know what's happening in Australia at the moment, but there are many places in the world that they're carrying on. They're, they're, they're hanging on to the whole narrative, even though it's dead. In the UK, it's dead. It's, it's dying here slowly. So we're in this weird transition phase, right? Where, where the, the cult and that sort of configuration of it is falling apart, but so much of it has been integrated and cemented into society now, and it isn't going away. It, the, the, idea, the idea that there is some potential you know, pathogenic threat that's around the corner that justifies the government going totalitarian on us, this has been normalized. And in, in a lot of places, it's been normalized. Less so, if I use the United States for an example, less so out in you know what they call flyover country, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the country, but on the 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 coasts in the big liberal power cities, you know, this has become normalized. I think New York City is still you know they're still masking kids and and showing passes. Um, I don't. I don't know where it's all going. I don't know what the next steps are. It it feels it feels to me like again like the transition that's being made is is a transition to a more totalitarian form of global capitalism what what I think what old people like me are used to what we we grew up in a world where GloboCap was handing out you know freedoms and stuff and there was social democracy in Europe oh yeah yeah no subsidized healthcare and subsidized education went you know and then the austerity started you know and and so on but GloboCap was really invested in maintaining uh, the appearances of our freedom because it had to right because on the other side. The USSR was saying, you know, no, we're, you know, it's, it's, we're all workers and everybody's equal and, you know, and everything's free. And GloboCap doesn't need to do this anymore. It can afford to go, it can't afford to go full totalitarian, but it can afford to go more totalitarian. And I, I think that's where we are. It feels like we're in this transition phase to a more totalitarian version of global capitalist society. What exactly that's going to look like, I don't know. I, I would totally agree with you. I think you put it well. And this has been my fear because overtly they've relaxed a number of restrictions. But for people who are paying attention, you know, we can see them. They're working, all nations are working on this WHO pandemic treaty, which will be up for adoption in two years, which will give these international, international, you know, whatever you want to call it, organizations and in these corporate structures that control them, power over our nation states. Uh, and you can see if you if you pay attention where you're living locally in your municipality, uh, city, state, like here in Mexico, um, they're still going, you know, developing these digital uh, passport systems. And it's not a time to think all of this is over. And I also think, as you said, there's maybe one segment of the population which has kind of loosened up some of the the, the covidian 
cult maybe but there's another portion that has doubled and and, and tripled down um and i i sometimes suffer from covid uh fatigue and, and i like this this has been a war of attrition i think against this global cap you know uh it's been two years going on three and like i said i, I refuse to visit places that require a mask but if i have to wear one like i said i put on these telegram uh stickers but it's like um even then i don't have the same passion like i did before in resisting and i, I look at people still around me here in mexico they're they're walking around in the hot mexican afternoon on the streets wearing masks so many of them uh, and especially in the urban areas i went to rural mexico not long ago and over there no one really cares no masks but it's just kind of depressing i look at these people with disgust <laughs> and i've just kind of gotten tired um you know, it's been two or three years. It's like a war of attrition, clear and hold, uh, as you say. And I don't know if have you gotten uh, COVID fatigue as well? I, I absolutely hit the wall. Um, I've, I've, it was right around the holidays uh, coming into this year. Uh, it was it, it was more than being tired. It was just total burnout. I hit the wall, absolutely exhausted, and I haven't fully come back from it yet. Um, it was at that point, it, it just felt like two years of daily warfare, psychological, emotional, you know, warfare <laughs> on a daily basis. And absolutely. And, and I think that's, that is exactly how this works when you, when you are transforming a society into, you know, into a totalitarian society or a quasi totalitarian society. That is exactly how it works. The, the, the mechanisms of the state and the other power mechanisms that, that we've talked about and I can't articulate, uh, they have the power to grind us down. Yeah. To just grind us down and wear us down. I, uh, I, I've mentioned this in other uh, talks that I've had. I just think it's really important for those of us who are resisting to take care of ourselves and to take breaks and to take time to yeah, to, to rebuild and, and to strengthen ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I am, uh, I'm still, I'm exhausted. Uh, and I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to take breaks whenever I can so that I can come back and keep going. Yeah, I interviewed an interesting guest recently from South Africa who said that uh, he, he's been interviewing people and um, he said he's headed up to here like he doesn't want to talk about COVID for another few years. And um, I try to switch up the subjects on, on the podcast. And so I can't always be talking about it. It gets tiring. You know, some days it's just like, go, go over the weekend, you know, go somewhere into nature and just kind of forget about all of this. You, you have to, you have to, otherwise you can go crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Can, uh, I, can, uh, I, can I ask you a question? Uh, do, you, do you remember the movie Cool Hand Luke? I haven't seen it, but I know about it. Yeah. You're, you're young. That's why. <laughs> anyway, I recommend this. I recommend this movie to everybody. Uh, it's a classic film with uh, Paul Newman, a prison movie. Um, and it's all about they're trying to break him. And right? they're trying to break his spirit. And there's this one classic uh, section uh, where they, you know, they've really had it with him because he won't break. And so they take him out into the yard and the guards, you know, tell him, you know, OK, now dig this, dig a ditch. What's all this dirt doing here? And he's got to dig the ditch out. And as soon as he finishes digging the ditch, they, the guard comes back and says, well, what's all this dirt doing out here in my yard? Put that dirt back in the ditch. And it goes on and on and on. And he digs it out again and he fills it back up, digs it out and fills it back up day after day until he breaks. It's what we're watching, what we've been going through. You know, those of us who are resisting it is this is it's not 
strange or anomalous at all. This is text. This is textbook. The way you break people down, you break their will, and you force them to obey. Uh, and that's what we've been subjected to for for over two years now. So no one should underestimate it. Yes, yeah, since you mentioned Cool Hand Luke, let me just pull out a book I have uh, over here. Uh, where is it? Uh, here's the book. Um, <clears throat> get my headphones back. Um, my favorite is The Prisoner. I got, uh, you know, Patrick McGuhan is a great uh, biography of the cult classic, uh, The Prisoner. And basically they put him on an island. And just like you say, they try to to break him. So if, if people don't know the, the original, the, they made a, a remake, which was absolutely horrible with Jim Caviezel. It was I don't know if you've seen it. Just I it, it was absolutely horrible. The original The Prisoner is great. Um, and, I, you know, another topic I wanted to broach is you've mentioned it the, this i forget what they call it the, the winter of you know the, the death of like the unvaccinated or or, or whatever which it was, it was that was joe biden that was the uh, the the winter of severe illness and death because he he came out i guess it was uh uh going into it was in the autumn last autumn he came out and he said you know everyone needs to get vaccinated because the unvaccinated are facing a winter of severe illness and death and we're, and we're, you know, we're all still here, but we're starting to see some interesting stuff. I mean, I'm not afraid to, to uh, you know, mince words and talk about this stuff, but, you know, we're starting to see uh, someone great to follow is the, the multimillionaire Steve Kirsch, who's got a sub stack, uh, which is great. Mm -hmm. Very short uh, articles that he puts out with a lot of facts and science. You know, he's offering millions and millions of dollars for establishment scientists and doctors to debate him. And no one wants to like that tells you right there something is up. But, uh, you know, we're starting to see like Bruce Willis got this uh, aphasia or whatever, which is a secondary effect of vaccination or it's an it's 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 caused by uh, I can't I'm forgetting my English and thinking in Spanish like a heart attack, which is also a, se a secondary effect of vaccination. The Foo Fighters drummer uh, at age 50 just dropping dead. Uh, and I'm starting to see people around me that I know friends of friends getting Guillain-Barre syndrome so uh, a young 30 year old mexican just out of the blue got up beyond uh beret paralysis and so it's like we're, we're starting to, i don't know if you have thoughts on that but it feels like we're starting to see the people who followed the rules they're starting to get you know you know feel these effects you know any thoughts uh, on the darpa gene therapy <laughs> yeah i i try i try to be careful with that because if i if i get into it you know if i if i get into it and say too much about it uh, people come back and, you know, rationally, they say, you know, you know how many billions of doses of vaccine have been administered, right? And yes, of course, there are adverse effects, you know, and they've, they've administered billions and billions of doses and the number of people having adverse effects are very small. Um, so I, I try to be careful when I get into it. Uh, but the fact that I have to be careful should tell you something. I, you know, I, I just see, I see reports on a daily basis. Um, and I'm kind of quietly paying attention to them and watching, you know, this person dying of, you know, unknown causes and that person dropping <laughs> dead here. And, you know, it's, and I can't, I don't, again, I don't have enough facts to come out and say, oh yeah, that's absolutely, you know, <laughs> an effect of the vaccine. Uh, but it, it, it's, if you, if you track this, 
if you track it, I, I, I think you will certainly, maybe, maybe the guy Kershaw you're talking about has done it. I think you will certainly see, you know, an anomaly in terms of the amount of uh, heart attacks and strokes and these other things that are happening. The one thing, the one thing that I would really recommend to people um, I'm, I'm reading Bobby Kennedy's uh, uh, book on uh, Fauci, um, and uh, it's mostly the stuff, uh, the part that I'm in there, it's the history of the, the AIDS uh, crisis. Um, and I, I recommend people really read up on that, uh, you know, read up on AZT and read up on, on how the pharma industry and uh, Fauci and these people uh, you know, rolled out AZT and suppressed all of the other possible uh, uh, treatments uh, for you know, what was being called AIDS at the time, and it's now called HIV disease or something. Um, it's, it's fascinating and it's, and it's horrifying. Um, you know, AZT and in, 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 in short, it's poison you know, and, and everybody knew it was poison. Um, and they rolled it out and killed a lot of people. Uh, so I just I really recommend people before they get vaccinated and vaccinated anymore or, or you know, seriously vaccinate their kids um, with this stuff to, to really read up and, and form their own opinions about who to trust and what they're dealing with. Um, here, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how that is going to play out, but I, I see a lot of disturbing signs and, um, you know, frankly, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I, I hope I'm wrong about it. And, and, but I, I fear that I'm not. A few, uh, a few episodes ago, I spoke to South African civil, civil and nuclear engineer, Hugo Kroger, uh, who wrote a piece uh, he had pinned on his Substack and had been looking into this. And he had interviewed a number of HIV experts, uh, given he coming from South Africa and a lot of the stuff was taking place in Africa related to HIV and AIDS. And he was saying the same thing. He said that it's the same playbook that in the 80s, Fauci and all these people, they created these false positive PCR tests. They had people take them. Uh, so they got this false positive and then they put them on AZT, which is a poison basically. And they got sick and died from the AZT. And that was the basis for calling an epidemic or pandemic. Uh, and then it's, that's my opinion that I, th I think that's what's going on um, now as well. Um, something similar. And so, yeah, as you say, Robert Kennedy and other people uh, talk about this. Um, are there any other issues you, you think, um, you know, that are on your mind th that you want to get across, whether it's related to global cap or, or anything else? Um, yeah, I can't really, I can't really think of anything. I, I, I think the, the, you know, the scariest thing for me, and it's also, I think one of the, the things that's hardest to fight against, you know, we were just talking about, you know, just being exhausted and being tired, you know, from, from fighting. Um, it's, it's tough. We are, a, we're a minority uh, of people uh, and we were always going to be a minority. Of people, I, I I just I say this to you know your viewers and to anybody who's who's uh, listening, uh, because it can be really discouraging. Uh, you know, it, as you said, we're going into what year number three, you know, or or, or, or something. 
to to be a minority in this situation when the majority of the masses are adopting a a new reality right adopting a, a new reality and and the world starts functioning according to this new reality and we are trying to hold on to our old reality right i'm trying to hold on to pre 2020 science yeah it can be it can wear us down it can be really exhausting it can be really overpowering and i i think it's just really important for us to understand what we're being subjected to on a daily basis and and really take care of ourselves uh because that's what's happening what's what what is happening is reality is being revised right just like just like the definitions of uh, a vaccine you know were revised officially you know words are being revised meanings are being revised the way that our governments work it's being revised you talked about the digital pass uh, you know systems and and these are segregation systems um and and i absolutely believe they're going to be imposed on us one way or the other or the, or the attempt is going to be made um and all of these things just gradually become reality become normal uh i i I guess what I'm trying to say is it's really important that we do not underestimate the magnitude of what we're up against and and that we try to see it clearly as what it is. You know, I don't know. I hope that I hope that was clear. Yeah, you know, I'm I sadly I'm I'm wondering if I will ever be able to visit my homeland uh, of Croatia without having to subject myself to PCR tests uh, or injections. I don't know if that will, if I'll ever be able <laughs> to go home. Uh, and as you say, even though this is like a war of attrition and it wears us down, it's, I think it's part of that 1984 Orwellian aspect um, where they force us to say two plus two equals five. And I think another point is that I'll never be able to do that. You know, No matter how tired I am or how much COVID fatigue or whatever, whatever they do to me, I just, you know, they can sit me down and get a rat to eat my face. And I'm like, I just can't say two plus two equals five. I'm not going to do it no matter how bad things get. Um, and, you know, you, you've said that one of the, your principal recommendations in terms of fighting back has always been basically to, to, to uh, speak out and, you know, call a spade a, a spade. As you say, when you go into the grocery store, even these little battles, like if someone in the grocery stores sees you resist, that might spark in their mind the same ideas and the next time they go to the grocery store they might do the same like a chain reaction uh you've said that ottawa is not the end it's just the beginning protests and other other forms of civil disobedience are growing all around the world uh, even in new normal germany uh, that does not mean it's time to relax it's time to step up the pressure it's time to make the monster show itself and its naked fascist ugliness and to force everyone to pick a side there are only two sides fascism or freedom and so you know what what should we all do in the face of this global tyranny that seems to be marching on and you know have you have you or people you know thought about bugging out and running for the hills you know buying a farm and and getting away from the technocracy yes <laughs> um yes uh, uh if if i if i had the money and i knew where to buy it 
I would absolutely uh, buy a place in the country. I wouldn't give up my uh, my cheap apartment here in the city uh, because I've been a city guy my whole life. Uh, but I would absolutely love to have uh, an escape um, uh, place somewhere outside of cities in the country. I think anyone anyone who can do that, it's probably a good idea. Um, you I, I, you said it perfectly. You just asked, you know, uh, what should people do? focus on that moment, you know, that moment when you're in the store with your protest mask, or when I was in the store, you know, with my protest mask, it's the same principle. Now, when I go into a store in Germany without a mask, right, there's, and it's that moment I'm surrounded, you know, so far, every time I've gone shopping, I've been one of like three people in the store without a mask, surrounded by a hundred other people all wearing masks and staring at me like, you know, I'm some kind of monster, right? Those little moments, those little moments are incredibly important. They're important, you just said this, they're important for the social body because when when I go into that store without a mask, it is forcing that masked person to ask themselves, do I need to be wearing this mask? Here's someone who's walking around in the world without one. He's probably unvaccinated. He probably you know, didn't follow any of the things all the way through. Here he is. He's living his life. He doesn't have a mask on. Why am I wearing mine? Maybe that, maybe that thought gets wiped away for a second, but those, those thoughts add up. Every time we show resistance, express resistance, express sanity, yeah, and demonstrate sanity, it creates a little more friction and it forces those the, the people who are conforming just because they're afraid of getting punished if they don't. It forces them to reappraise their decisions and, and, and their conformity. The other thing, and maybe even more importantly, it, it's for us. Uh, you know, you said you said you can't say two plus two equals five. Neither can I. It, and and because we can't, we need to constantly affirm our reality in by going into the store without a mask or going into the store with a protest message on your mask. This is an affirmation of our reality. This is how we maintain our reality and our knowledge against the force, against this massive force that I was just describing is overwhelming. So it is essential for us to speak out, to to wear those protest masks, to do whatever we can to affirm what we know as it, it, it to be reality. Some good advice. Do not... Uh... You know, do not call, don't fall for the two plus two equals five, uh, everyone. Any any final uh, thought and as well, uh, you know, where would be the best, what are still the best websites and places online for people to find you? And if you have any projects uh, that we should know about. Um, yeah, as I said, the, uh, um, the there'll be a new collection of my Consent Factory essays. Um, there's a little film in the works, but I don't know when it's going to be ready. So I, I don't want to talk about that too much. Uh, and, uh, I'm easy to find. You can just stick me in a search engine and all of my stuff will come up. The consentfactory.org is my blog, my satirical blog. Um, my author's website is just my name, cjhopkins.com. And I've got a Substack uh, as well that you can sign up to free or paid.
Are you still on Patreon or, or have you been there? Yeah, I'm also on the Patreon still. I uh, And I'm sorry, Patreon supporters. I love you. I really appreciate it. I started on Patreon first. I don't do much on Patreon, um, but it's a means people who prefer to, to use Patreon can do that for as little as you know a dollar a month or what have you. I think the Substack starts at five. And uh, people, uh, a lot of people who, who want to support me somehow but don't have much money, uh, they can you, they contribute a dollar a month, and and it's really nice. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone, follow CJ um, on the internets. Uh, if and you know he's been, you know, you, you've made some pretty good predictions over the last two years. So you know, if you want to know our future, uh, again, subscribe to Consent Factory and stay out of the gulag, CJ. And and danke for being back on Geopolitics and Empire. Yeah, gleichfalls, you too. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned Geopolitics and Empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.